Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Apologies for the delay, not Benji's fault, so stop sending him hate mail. It's been on my end. You probably noticed in the Israel Startup Nation podcast, my audio was a little bit funny. That's because my MacBook Pro died and I've been fighting with Apple to get it repaired or get a new one. Finally got that, which is the video you can see if you're watching this on the YouTube channel for the podcast. And I've got a new microphone, so hopefully I sound a lot better um, Benji says I do, but I don't really trust him most of the time. We're here today to talk to you about Mark Hirschi having his contract terminated at Team DSM, formerly known as Team Sunweb. So, Benji, can you run us through what has actually happened so far, and what are I guess, and then what are the rumors, and then maybe we we can also discuss why it's happened and what we who we are expecting to go and. Um, yeah, it's a bit. It's an interesting topic that I'm actually. There's a lot. There's an interplay here of contractual stuff and and writer writer styles as well. But what's happened so far? So the basic storyline started yesterday. That's the fifth of January at about five p.m. Where a release, a press release, was made on Twitter and on the website itself by Team DSM, which is the former Team Sunweb. That Team DSM and Mark Hirschi are parting ways for the 2021 season. Thanks for everything, Mark. And then a bit of a, a professional short text without any information really past the fact that they're parting ways. So the entire internet was on fire from that point onwards. Who is the team he's going to? Where is he going to? Why are why is he gone from Team DSM? All stuff like that. And I think the general feeling that people were thinking of directly were uh, the team needs to have money. So directly people are thinking at Ineos, UAE, Jumbo. Those are the three teams with money to pay someone like Mark Hirschi. And, well, eventually, after a good one hour of people discussing it, me posting on Twitter that I thought it was Antomarché because Antomarché has 11 letters and Mark Hirschi has 11 letters as well. Great theory. Flawless logic. Yeah, and it just didn't really seem to play out that way. We are not fully certain, but there's one newspaper, well new source i'm not sure they've actually got proper papers these days but an actual new source that is Willerflitz, which is one of the more reputable uh news sources when it comes to netherlands and belgium and they brought out that mark here she has chosen to go to uae which is on a financial side not surprising but we do have to add this is only said by Willerflitz so far so it's not 100 confirmed but Knowing that they're putting their integrity on the line as Willerflitz, I think that we can base off of that that they trust their source so much, so it has to be somewhat of an internal source, that they put the integrity of their whole company on the line just for this for this news. So I'd say it's about and, and 99 also, sure. I think the the Italian guy, sorry, I do like him. He's, he's really good. I really like his input on the cycling podcast. He does the Giro stuff. He reached out to Trek and they said, not us. We're not signing um, Mark Hirschi. So it's not just – we do have to say and address that it's not just uh, moving teams that a rider might get cut. It could be a number of re- – well, the, the big reason, which thankfully we're kind of – we don't jump to this conclusion anymore. Maybe we would in previous years, which maybe we should reflect on being how the state of cycling is in a better place, is, is doping. And we we I didn't assume that, and then I realized, oh wait, that that is could be a reason. I don't think it is. It really doesn't seem like it is because 
A, it's Sunweb, and this has happened many times with Sunweb <laughs> that they've gone to, and we'll talk about that in a second. Riders have gone to different teams before their contract is up. B, the Sunweb and he or she, the Sunweb press release talks about his results last year and his great wins. I presume if he'd had a positive sample, then um, they wouldn't be, re- you know, reflecting on his Tour de France stage wins <laughs> last year. And C, if it had been a confirmed test, even a confirmed B sample or something, you'd expect the UCI or WADA to have mentioned it. Maybe they wouldn't have. But all those three things seems to me that I'm 99.9% sure has got nothing to do with doping, uh, which is good. But Benji, why Sunweb, right? Sunweb's strategy has been to, and, and I we, we've given them credit for it. I've tweeted about it during the Giro uh, last year. Their strategy is take talented youngsters, really young, typically younger than guys are when they're given long-term contracts in cycling, and give them a three to four year deal. And he or she was given, let's have a look. He was supposed to finish his contract at the end of 2021. He was on the development team at Sunweb in 2018 when he was 20, or actually 19 turning 20 mid-season. Three-year deal. He's 22 now, turns 23 in August. And they basically cut that last year. And I assumed... Well, not just assumed. If you're doing this where you're signing and UAE do it too, they gave that Spanish junior guy a five-year deal. Or Bora didn't do it and somewhere poached Brenner from them, giving him a long-term deal at like 17, 18 years old. You maybe overpay and take a risk that they're not going to be as good, might not be good, and you're stuck with a four- or five-year deal or a long-term deal. But if they are good and he or she is a top-five puncher in the world, I think that's... Uh, that's my strong view. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm saying that's – you'd have to be a hater, I think, not to agree yeah. with that. He's that level at 22, 2018 world champs, road race champion, and you've now cut off the year where it's most profitable. He's on the third year of a Neopro salary. He hasn't actually won a monument or to the Tour de France, which can maybe trigger uh, – that can trigger a contract uplift. I've seen that in some contracts where if they win a Grand Tour or something like a Monument, it does trigger, okay, you've got to renegotiate the contract or there'll be an uplift. He didn't actually, unfortunately, win uh, Liège last year, and we thought he might have. So he's probably on. I don't know what he's on, but it's going to be a pretty – he was going to be underpaid this year, and that's why – that's the whole Sunweb strategy. So for him to be let go, you'd have to think UAE are buying him out and giving – DSM a pretty handy chunk of change, Benji. That's the only logical explanation um, for it. Like, do you have is it, do you have any other reason why they've let him go? It may not might not be UAE, but it has whatever team it is. Do you have any other explanation for why, if you're DSM, you would let he or she go? Maybe your best rider. Well, I think that's the first main reason one could think of the fact that indeed um, money is the biggest role there. And we know that Sunweb went to DSM when it comes to sponsorship. So they changed sponsor. We don't know what the uh, change in sponsorship money is. We don't know what the result of that is. But like you say, we see very logically that Sunweb goes for a lot of youngsters. And then when they grow up, when the moment that they extend from the team in some sort, that they become so good in a certain discipline that they need supports, that is when I see them 
get out of the team all the time. And this is perhaps an example with Matthews. Um, I think he he ended up riding the likes of Milano San Remo and such. But Third, I also felt like podium. Yeah, and I felt like Sunweb went to a race like that and also didn't specify it before that our match is your all-out leader, for example, stuff like that. And I think that is the stuff that might lead a youngster to decide, well, I'm going to go to another team because if you're here right now, you became, was it second in the World Championships last year as well? That is... Let's read, I'll read out his, his Palmares because he actually yeah. didn't win that many races, but... He was very, very impressive. And I think the most impressive one actually was when I was watching, because I'm trying to improve my French, I was watching the France TV uh, footage of the Dauphiné. By the way, their commentary team is very, very good. Alexandre Pasteur, Jalabert, Marion uh, Rousse, they're very good. But anyway, stage four was when Hirschi, I think, the one Kemner won from Eugene to Megev. Hirschi was in the group with Alaphilippe and Carl. I was like, ooh, excuse me. So then obviously stage two and Nice, he got beaten in the Tour de France by Alaphilippe. And that was the when the whole world was like, who is he or she? And, and yep. uh, wasn't that when Armstrong was like, where, where, where is Switzerland? Is that something? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was a yeah. different rider. I think he didn't know who he or she was. And uh, you could forgive yep, him for right. that. Third in Laurent when he kind of botched the sprint against Pogacar and Roglic. And then he won that stage to Saran, stage 12. Very impressive. Then he backed it up. Third in the World Champs road race. First at Flesh, but there was no Alaphilippe, I don't believe, or Roglic. But still, he beat Woods and Co. And second in Liège. And to be honest, I I think he was the strongest at Liège. And I think he was going to win. So I kind of credit him with the Liège victory in, in spirit. And that's definitely the... He's, he's mm-hmm. a rider capable of winning a monument. That's for sure. Yeah. He didn't even get to do a full Arden season. I think he's a... When you look at a rider like... Dan Martin and Mike Woods, because not all punchers are created equally, right? So, do you think Benji that he's he's more the Kwiatkowski could kind of do well, sneaky well at Harald Becker style puncher, all round just great rider versus like a Dan Martin Mike Woods puncher who don't have that kick? Like I think he or she got it, has got a proper kick uh, as well. Yeah, I wouldn't put him next to a Dan Martin for sure in the type of rider that he is. When it comes to the results that he can achieve, I think that he really fits with Kwiatkowski, but I also wouldn't put him really like Kwiatkowski. He's got so many different disciplines that he can do well in. For example, he was good in the Belgium Tour 2019, 2018. I don't know anymore. I think 2019 probably. 2018 is a bit too uh, long ago for a youngster like Hirschi to uh, already be on the scene. But I remember him doing well on a couple stages there. He has mentioned already this year, or, uh, well, last year, because this year has been like six days, but he's mentioned that he will look into doing couple races as well in the future because, well, he uh, seems to be decent at that. And I think oh, yeah. he, that he, he would be able to achieve. He came 10th in Harrell Becker. He did in 2019. He came 10th. Okay. I didn't Austin. even know yeah, that. And, and you're right. At Bing Bang Tour Benji, he came second on, Bank, yeah. on stage four. So, wow, yeah, you're right. In 2019, he's already shown some cobbling, especially third at San Sebastian, is sort of versatile as well. And the thing is, we're talking about cobble, we're talking about punching, but I would not put him too far to win the likes of a Paris-Nice or or 
a one week hill race, perhaps the likes of a Catalonia or something, because he has the yeah, climbing. Yeah, yeah. He's got the climbing enough to be able to follow an elite group properly in the likes of Dauphiné until the last four-ish kilometers. We saw that. And I think if they really work on that as well, just next to the punching, because punching is obvious. For me, he's the second best puncher in the world right now. And I would not say otherwise. Uh, I think that Hirschi has more punch than, sorry people, Roglic, I think. And um, the reason I think that is because I'm talking about the actual acceleration punch here. I'm not talking about the um, the GC person that wins in the last kilometer. Roglic would probably be third for me. And Alaphilippe still first. But here she's definitely up there for me. Uh, we said it on the uh, award show of 2020. And um, I think he's uh, he's only going to grow. He's young. So he, he'll he have 22. to be having a real bad change in, in the plot here to to actually become a bad puncher suddenly. So it's unlikely that he'll be a, a worse rider in the coming years than he is so far. And with a team like um, what is mentioned of being UAE, I think that would really help him compared to his Sunweb because, like we said earlier, Sunweb has this idea of going to a race with their entire team and keeping their entire team in mind throughout the whole race. And... At a certain point, you have to make a real decision of who you want to go for, an all-out decision. And once you do that, then you got to go for that rider. And definitely if it's Hirschi, the man is far better than anyone else on Sunweb when it comes to punching. In any race that is finished in a punch, he has to be leader and the entire team has to work for him. And I think on UAE, he's more likely to get that support because of the team philosophy i i look at so say he, let, let's let's deal with potential potentially where he goes in a second let's talk about i'm going to play devil's advocate on behalf of sunweb here because sunweb have let go in either acrimonious circumstances or before their contract is up before he or she most recently was michael matthews and i felt that kind of did make sense because matthews deserves to get paid quite a lot He's an established rider. I think he's 30 now. I think he could have a Greg Van Avermaet three-year long peak here in the right circumstances. Um, Van Avermaet from 30 to 33 years old did. And if I'm Matthews, I'm wanting to do that too. And Sunweb was saying, okay, well, we got all these youngsters and we don't want to. It just, it just didn't work. It didn't work. Matthews was rightly demanding leadership. They were saying we want to do something. We're going in a different direction. Fine. He's gone to Mitchelton. Then there was Dumoulin. That didn't work out very well, and I think everyone seems to be on the side of Dumo on that on that um, few crazy stories about communication there. Then it was Bagi, was it Benji? Was there something weird to have to Bagi get released early? Kittle, I think, might have got released early too. Kelderman's left in pretty acrimonious circumstances. So all these things of riders getting good, and if you're Sunweb, maybe you're saying, well, we're just selling high. Maybe Sunweb is saying he or she got lucky in a four- to five-week period last year. I don't think that. But they, they're saying he got lucky in a four- to five-week period. UAE, we don't know. What may, What if UAE said we'll give you one and a half million euros? I don't, you know, or something just crazy. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> like, um, We have to take it. Who knows? I don't doubt it's that much. But And they're like, also, we've brought in Roman Bardet. 
Bardet's not on some Neo Pro contract either. He's actually an established rider, podiums at the Tour de France. And maybe they're saying, well, we think Bardet can actually sort of fill the gap that he or she was doing and there's not really space for he or she as a premium leader. How can we say to he or she? Yeah, no. I know, but how can we say say these discussions are happening, Benji, and they are, I know that they're happening yep. now about program and target races for 2021 and they happened in December and they sit around and he or she says, okay, what's the plan, guys? I'm going to be the leader for Harrell Becker. Maybe, no, maybe not Harrell Becker with um, yeah. Echov. Ekov, but whatever. He's going to say, Ansel Gold, that's me. Yep. Flesh, Liege, that's me, 100%. Tour, I'm going for stages, and you better be setting me up like you did last year too. Classica, Lombardia, that's me. And Sunweb DSM said, well, I'm not that sure. We just gave Romain a million euro a year, whatever, for two years to get results too. We can't promise you that. So maybe that's where this stems from too. Bardet, I think Bardet, who I've been quite critical of in the past, mm-hmm. I think he's actually underrated now. He's got to the point of underrated, and there's been a bit of bad luck in the last, particularly in 2020, where he actually looked just as strong as some of the other guys and just bad luck with the crash. Kind of ruined yep. his season, to be honest. Um, so I think Bardet's underrated seventh in Paris Tour. He's kind of versatile as well. I say that, but there still was no results. There still were no results in 2020. He still only won seven races in his career at 30 years old. Um, So it doesn't really make sense to me. But I'll I'll give you a right to respond to me playing devil's advocate. Why do you disagree disagree with any of that, that line of reasoning I just said? I agree with your line of reasoning, but I feel like it's getting very obvious that they seem to be having some internal issue with riders taking a free role or, or wanting a free role in the team. The reason that Bargill left the team uh, left the team, was because he was thrown out of, out of the Vuelta in stage eight because he wanted a free role and didn't agree with the race goals and tactics as well. So it's again that same principle of wanting to be bigger than the team, kind of. And I saw a reaction on Twitter by someone related to uh, Damon Ahrensman, who was, uh, who was obviously at Sunweb. Uh, I, I checked to be sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, that person ended up posting something along the lines of already too big for uh, for the team. Um, I hope he does well, but uh, it's got a bit of a, a second taste to it, this transfer. So, um, yeah, like, it he, feels like, like you say, he was yeah. implying he or she didn't want to conform to the hierarchy. Aaronsman's a yeah. young guy on Sunweb, too. Um, He's a, he showed well in the Vuelta, so look out for him in 2021. But, yeah, that's the thing. But, Benji, what do you say to the – if you're somewhere, do you say, well, well, Mark, it's nice nice and all that you want leadership, but you wouldn't have had all those stage opportunities and Krah Anderson wouldn't have won that, st- that stage in Lyon if we weren't working with the strategy of multiple potential stage winners. And what we want to do – I mean, they might not have said this and, listen, their communication with riders – they, I don't even think they deserve the benefit of the doubt at this point. But if I was them, I'd be saying, Mark, listen, we've got Bardet in. What we're going to do is two-pronged attack. We're going to use Bardet and he'll attack. And that'll, you know, that, it's as good for you that Bardet's here. And, yeah, Roman might win some races too and you might 
have to miss out, but it's going to give you more opportunities to win races and ultimately it's better to be it's better to be on a stronger team and have more opportunities where you're in the mix than mark if you're the strongest rider and the definite leader but on a team that just can't really support you at all. Uh, that was, is what I would be saying if I was Sunweb to he or she. Um, and, but then I, you know, and so this flows nicely into where we think he might be going. Why do you think UAE assign, would want to sign Mark Hirschi? Is it just they want to follow the Ineos Kwiatkowski model? I think that mm, perhaps, but I think that they will do something different than Ineos with Hirschi. I think that UAE is perhaps a team that is more looking to uh, win more races than just the Tour de France. It's a bit harsh to say, but we know that Ineos focuses so extremely hard on the Tour de France and Grand Tours now in general. It's changed a tiny bit last year where they started focusing on all three Grand Tours a bit because they had a bit too many leaders. <laughs> and uh, that's not going to be uh, any any different this year, I think. But I would expect them to just groom him into potentially taking over Alaphilippe as best puncher in the world. He's got the skills to potentially bring fire to the knees of Alaphilippe. And there's not many people who have the talent or, or the potential to do something like that in the peloton. If you are UAE, you have the money to get someone like Hirschi on your team, then you might as well use him to the best of his abilities, which is getting victories in punchy races. And you could even expand that into one-week stage races because having Pogacar on the team is obviously going to be for the Grand Tours mainly, the Tour de France and such. But Pogacar has already shown that he's also willing to go for Hill Classics. And that is where my question will come in. What will happen to Pogacar for the likes of an LBL? And how will that choice be made? I would say go for Hershey or go with two leaders, but it all depends on what Pogacar wants to do as well because Pogacar seems like the chill guy that doesn't really care what what program he gets but I think behind the scenes is really really committed to I want this race and now that I've won the Tour de France well well I, I expect to get it kind of I think that I, I think they're gonna lose him kind of like Kwiatkowski except if he or she rides for Pogacar in the Tour de France as a super mm-hmm. domestique and he also, he, she's going to be a bit more help on the flats too than someone like Micah on rolling terrain. You know, he's got, he's a bit more of an engine in that sense. But I think if he or she does that, then at an LBL, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Pagacha doing what he did for Roglic at Imola for, in, for Slovenia, where, no. okay, well, one of the guys has to attack early to draw out the other teams to actually chase. And yes, that's going to be benefit the guy sitting in. But, you know, the other guy could win. If no one chases, he could win, but it's less likely. But he sort of still is going for the win. So that was Pogacar at Imola. Again, LBL this year, we say he or she would have come first. Well, Pogacar was right on his heels and came yeah, third behind and would have come second at least. So, yeah, you're right. You know, how do you combine these two guys who are going to be going for a lot of the same races, like especially Milano San Remo? I think UAE, who will UAE be going for? Christoph, right? Um, but maybe mm. U, maybe UAE can now have a strategy where they attack super hard on the Poggio. I would she, I trust Hirschi more. Hirschi follows Alaphilippe. Hirschi sits on Alaphilippe and says, 
Christoph is behind. So that's yep. actually the use him in that way is quite smart. Strada Bianca, Pagasha and Hirschi again is a nice combination. But this is how I thought they could have used Bardet and, and Hirschi. That I think Pagacha is for Pagacha's just so consistent. He yep. it seems he can get a top fifteen in almost any race, any day of the year, all year. Um but I also think he will be happy to work for he or she if he or she puts in the the work for him in, in the Grand Tours and in the Tour de France. I mean, he was happy to work for Roglic in the World Champs because he kind of felt bad about the Tour de France. Um, I think I saw him say somewhere. But so, so if you were UAE, so do you think this is a good signing by UAE? If you were UAE, would you have coughed up the money for he or she? I think signing here, she is always a good decision at this point. I think that he's got so much potential and he's most likely not at his max yet, which would mean that he can he can build bridges to wonderful victories in the future, which is crazy because he's also so, so very disciplined in different ways. I said it before, hills, he can ride on mounts, he wants to do cobbles, just like Pogacar, by the way. So it's intriguing how they want to do all the same races and also both want to go to the cobble races. So they're going to start at a cobble race at some point with Pogacar and Hirschi in the team, if perhaps, which would be pretty intriguing. So uh, yeah, they're, they're both very good riders in all different disciplines. And I think having someone like Hirschi in the team can only make the results of the team better. Some people have been saying in, in chats that I was in, for example, uh, what if his season is is disappointing? I kind of don't believe in it. Like, even a disappointing season with Hirschi would likely still get good results, I would say. But then again, perhaps that's just me thinking... Uh, well, he only has two pro wins. It. Yeah, but I, like... I think, let's I, think, I, think it's hide, I think that is hiding something. I think it's too simplistic to say that. Yeah. When you look at third in Classica San Sebastian at 20, 21 years old, in 2019, his junior or under-23 pedigree, and then what he did in that Tour de France Liège period, I think it's a bit simplistic to say that this 22-year-old is somehow going to get a lot worse next year, especially going across to UAE. Who seem, UAE have seen to have sorted it. They've gone from the team who gave their riders <laughs> energy drinks that made them gain five kilos and feel bloated to seemingly much more switched on. So I mean this is this is the punching the punching team they might take Benji or they could take Valerio Conti, Rui Costa, Davide Formolo, uh Micah, Pagacha, Ivo or Rui Oliveira, Jan Palanch, uh Alexander Rubashenko and one of their new signings, Matteo Trentin. That is pretty strong. Very versatile Obviously, they've still got Christoph, who, again, we're talking about underrated riders, like one of the most underrated riders still in the pro peloton. That's a pretty formidable Ardennes team, uh, Benji. Like, I'd be scared of them in the Ardennes. they got a lot of different guys, yeah. a lot of different threats. they got guys who are sort of good on the climbs, and then they got guys who are sort of more engine types like Trenton. Trenton's a great – I mean, him with Christoph, I can't wait to see it as well that should be really good to see um but what program would you do if you were here she next year assuming he doesn't maybe go to ua or wherever what program would you do i would try and focus mainly on the hill classics i would aim to win all three of them 
because uh, that's what you do if you're one of the top three punchers in the world. Gilbert, Rebel, Gilbert triple. Yeah, I and would try and do that. Yep. I think he's got the capabilities to uh, win all three. I, I'm not sure he has the capabilities of beating Alaphilippe three times in a row, which is uh, a bit less likely. <laughs> but um, yeah, like after that, the real decision is where do you send them when it comes to ground tours? I would expect they send them with Pogachar to the tour, but on the other end, there's potential if you send them to a Vuelta that has climbing, but is mainly focused on the hills like every single Vuelta in the last 10 years, that he could actually ride GC. Maybe that's and what they think. That, maybe Piper, we, and they think that, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that. I'd be down for that. And um, yeah, I, I'd love for him to to do at least one Calder Classic again, just to see if he uh, is improving in that as well. Perhaps the one closest to the Hill Classics, but pale. the real danger there is then would you get injured in that race in that cobble classic would that fuck up your entire uh hill classic spot so yeah that's the that, real question there. that's what people are forgetting about the positioning of paris roubaix and flanders in 2020 is yep. would alaphilippe have gone in a normal year if or paris roubaix if you know it's like 50 50 chance you're going to hit the ground at some point in that race paris roubaix and especially if it's wet, it was going to be wet, yeah. I think, in 2020. You know, if you're a GC contender, you're taking a bit of a risk turning up at the start line versus doing two one-week races, Dauphiné, Paris-Nice, bang, into the Tour, uh, sort of Froome, Armstrong style. And, you know, I think even Armstrong used to do, like he did a lot of the early one-week, oh, sorry, one-day races in, early in his career in like 93 to 97, but then that seemed to, he seemed to stop doing that. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what they do with Hirschi. I agree with you. Like he, he definitely has that Avonapol style ability as well to break away for a long period of time and attack riders and then maintain it on the flat. We saw that when he was holding his bike computer in TT position for long periods of time in the tour. He seems comfortable sort of doing that. Maybe, yeah, maybe UAE is seeing something on GC for him, but do you think this is a good thing or a bad thing for cycling in general, Benji? I think some people might be disappointed that, you know, three teams essentially are buying up all the best riders. That's if he is going to UAE, which assuming for the purpose of this conversation he is. Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Are you kind of like, oh, really? Really going to UAE? Well, I wish he could have stayed on Sunweb so there was a bit more competitive tension, etc. Or do you think... Do what you got to do. Get paid, my man. I think I'm one of the the people that are perhaps on the more capitalistic side that I'd be like, yeah, I'm not really uh, for those financial limits for teams. I'm not really for those limits when it comes to getting the best riders in a team. I'm all for financial freedom and therefore I'm I'm not really against any of that. And I think that he has the right to to choose his pathway in his career and he has the right to get paid the amount that he wants to get paid if he can achieve that contract, of course. And one should not be criticizing someone for signing based on finances because I'm pretty sure that 90% of the people that are watching this podcast or listening to the podcast or in general live life would be considering a different job if they get a significant change in pay. And they would not be thinking about, oh, perhaps I would be upsetting the industry that I work in if I do that. 
the the majority will be thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I uh, I can earn more money and I can provide more money to my family. I can get more money in the future so that I can give that to my my kids in the future, stuff like that. I think that people shouldn't view this as a crime that he uh, decides to go for a bigger contract because it's what most people would do. The converse to that is, well, he still had a year to go at Sunweb. So how did UAE just out of the blue, out of the blue, UAE just said to Sunweb or DSM, hey, how much is it going to cost to release him? I mean, his agent is Cancellara, I understand. So I don't actually know. I know the NBA, you you can't be uh, like teams can't be enticing other players that are under contract at another team. And but I'm pretty sure in cycling you're allowed to negotiate his extension for 2022 onwards because he had a contract. He was out of contract. 31 December 2021 at Sunweb, DSM, they're allowed to negotiate that extension with other teams, his agent, perfectly fine to do that. So maybe he or she had that really good season, breakout season 2020, said, hey, guys, what what money are you thinking in 2022? Like it's going to be, we're going to be talking over a million euro at least, right? And maybe DSM are like, nah, we'll give you low base with some incentives or, or whatever. Or whatever. We're like, they're like, we just can't match that. And so he's like, okay, we're going to have to go to one of the three teams with money. And then UAE were like, why not come earlier? Or it could have been the other way around. We don't know. This is why Benji and I, we waited for this emergency but not really an emergency podcast anymore because we, when we don't have the full information on things like that, we have, we've only got half the story so far. It's We've learned to just wait a little bit just to try and get some more to come out. It hasn't come out, unfortunately. Um, and... Yes, and we don't know whether somewhere we're like, well, if you're going to be going to UAE, UAE next year, feel free to feel free to go now. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe because if, yeah, if, if UAE gave them like 300 and his salary was 150, then that's a 450K saving, I guess, uh, for for DSM. But who knows? Um, um, I kind of wish it was a different team. But I do like Pagacha as a rider. I just hope it doesn't ruin the Palmares of either. I'm positive that they could make it work, but I, yeah, I just don't want to see them have their Palmares sort of or their opportunities diminish too much. But there's there's some space there as well. Matteo Trentin and Christoph, I'm I'm low key very excited about. But that'll be another podcast for the UAE preview. You got anything else to mention about the he or she thing, Benji? I mean, it, I guess it's it goes to show the caliber of writer he is now that we, he does some merits at a podcast on its on its own. You got any other any other thoughts? Anything else you've seen on Twitter that you'd like to respond to or think merits consideration? Nothing really new, but I think the last thing I want to mention is that I think that this is also financially a good deal for for UAE because. They will be paying he or she at the moment based on his results, but also on the potential what he could grow into. But also because he has not won a monument, because he, because he has not gotten that big, big win outside of Tour de France stage, of course, which is already kind of big. That means that that's probably going to be a significant difference in payment as well. And I think the moment that if he would have won at DSM a monument in 2021, then they would be uh, pricing him very differently at the end of 2021. So I think that's uh, a detail that can't be 
just skipped over. How much money do you reckon Julian Alaphilippe has cost Mark Hirschi? I reckon uh, a lot, uh, over uh, hundreds of thousands of euro, maybe. I mean, yeah, I, I, I said 250k. Work. Yeah, maybe you got the bonus plus then future earnings. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know how riders don't get more pits when you think about it. It's like, yeah. Man, like I would be so mad, not just like the whole, <laughs> oh, you just called me a crowd, I want to win. But like when you think about it, wow, you just cost me so much money. Um, but hey, yeah. I actually, I'm excited for Alaphilippe next year too and Bardet. Let's briefly, I think I, I was, I did write this down that we were going to mention this. The, the Sunweb team, they've still got Bardet. So for the Ardennes, I mentioned who UAE would have for the Ardennes. Sunweb might have Aronsman, but they've got Bardet. Teichmanot, uh, Brendan's on their World Tour team, and he just can't, he just uh, started. A, he's the title sponsor now of a Bavarian Junior team. Paul Marco Renego, check them out. Uh, Jai Henley, don't know if he can do one day races. Uh, still got Roche. I don't know. It's looking down that team list. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot uh, less strong without he or she on there. Even with with Bardet, and especially with Matthews leaving too. It's not as strong in races like Parry Tour where Pedersen won. I mean, he won that, but races like a Britannia Classic, etc. So, yeah, Sunweb, who knows how they'll go next year. You got any other news on, Benji? I think the other spicy things have been happening are the La, uh, La Flamme Rouge popularity polls <laughs> that have been going on. I think Benji just got knocked out in, what, the quarterfinals? Yeah. Yep. In the last eight. I got knocked out early because I don't. My Twitter sucks, and also people probably don't like me for good reason. But yeah, let us know down below. A, does my mic sound like it's fixed and it's better? B, what do you think of the Mark Hirschi signing? Do you think he's going to UAE? Why do you think he's left Sunweb DSM? Why do you think he wants to leave there? And what do you expect from him next season? Who do you think is to blame? Do you think there is a inherent problem with Sunweb and the way their team works. It seems to work well when the riders for their first couple of wins, but after that, it seems to break down. I think there's a communication issue at that team, and I'm not just inferring that, even if you watch the documentary stuff they put up about the Giro, some weird stuff in there too, really just even their DS coach communication with the riders. But I think that's all from us today. We're coming back with the team previews. We're going to have Jack Haig on as part of the Bahrain Victorious team preview, and we're going to try and get some other pro riders on as well. So if you're a pro rider and you listen to this and you're on a World Tour team, feel free to reach out if you want to be on one of the previews. I know that all the other teams are represented. But that's all from me and Benji. See you later. Ciao.